Today's episode is brought to you by Musical Theatre Radio's Merch Store. Looking for that perfect gift for someone or just want to treat yourself to some great musical theatre themed merch? Head to musicaltheaterradio.com and click on the All Things Theatre button on the homepage and check out all the different designs available. And now, today's interview. Welcome back to another episode of Be Our Guest here on Musical Theatre Radio. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. Today is another Discover a New Musical Edition, where you, the listener, and me, the host, get to learn about a new show together. Today, we are looking at the show Walking with Bubbles, which ran from April to September of 2023 and released its off-Broadway cast recording the 1st of December of that same year. To tell us all about the incredible musical are the composer and lyricist Brianna Kothari Barnes and the book writer and star of the show, Jessica Hendy. Jessica and Brianna, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Awesome. So before we get into the show, uh, I always like to ask for a 30 second bio. So, so Jessica, we're going to get you first. Who is Jessica in 30 seconds? Um, well, first and foremost, I'm a mom, uh, to my beautiful son, Beckett. Um, I've been in this business since, uh, the nineties. I've done four Broadway shows, two national tours, off-Broadway musicals and um, several regional productions. Um, I was just nominated for a Grammy this year of with a, work, a song that I uh, contributed to on um, an album called Sondheim Unplugged, Volume 3. Uh, voting opens today for all you uh, <laughs> Grammy voters. Um, but uh and i tour the country and uh north america doing uh symphony pop concerts and i'm a writer very cool and that's one more album now i gotta go find yeah. <laughs> take a listen to <laughs> awesome a good one. all right yeah. 30 seconds brianna who are you all right i'm brianna katari barnes i moved to new york city it'll be eight years ago uh, after graduating from the University of Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music, which Jessica is her alma mater as well. Um, moved here to be an actor. I've done uh, several regional productions um, in understudy and swing positions and a national tour. And then uh, have always loved songwriting and uh, consider myself a multi-hyphenate, uh, wearing many hats all the time. Um, I wrote the music and lyrics and the book for the new musical Rathskeller and Musical Elixir, which is all uh, rock music and the music and lyrics for Walking with Bubbles, obviously, and my own show called Let There Be Light and the Presence, um, and kind of spend my time in both worlds of performing and songwriting. Very cool. What you and always... she has her own album, you forgot to mention. <laughs> I did forget to mention that. Yes. <laughs> So many albums I got to go listen to now. You've you've just like it's doubled amazing. my stuff. <laughs> so, uh, Brianna, we're going to start with you again. Were you always in a musical theater growing up, or is that something you discovered a little bit later in life? For me, yeah. Um, yes, I uh, started being involved in musical theater in elementary school. We made a big move, a family move from metropolitan Florida to small town rural Ohio. 
and my mom was looking for ways to give us something to do and make friends. So she put us in a community theater production of Winnie the Pooh when I was in fifth grade. And uh, it was always just something that we did for fun. I'm a huge fan of community theater. I think it is so important for kids and communities. Um, just a big fan of what they do in building confidence um, and friendships for kids. But that was, yes, a huge part of my childhood. Never thought I'd be doing it as a career. It was always just something for fun. Um, but yeah, it's, it's grown into be this my whole life. <laughs> No, you can't leave us hanging. Who did you play in Winnie the Pooh? I played the rabbit. Aww. <laughs> and Jessica, same question. Were you were you always in a musical theater? Um, you know, I I was when I was um very little. Um, I sang a solo at my first communion, and um, I was always picked to like sing little solos and that kind of like made me realize, oh, maybe, maybe I have a voice. And then I wanted to be Annie. And so I would listen to the record, the cast album of Annie all the time. And um, I just, uh, you know, uh, when I'm old enough to be of the generation where there wasn't cable TV, um, and when cable TV came on, I think I saw the Tony Awards and I didn't know that like you could go to college for theater. Um, and I just always uh, was seeking out ways to um, be in shows. I did community theater as well. I agree with Brianna. Um, it's a really great way to sort of learn the business in, in a, in a, in a, in a community, in your own community, you know, um, and uh, sort of foster your skills and like, you know, get to meet other people at different ages instead of just the people you go to school with. Um, and I've just always, always known that this was my path, truly. Did you ever get to play Annie? I never did. I never got to play Annie. Um, but my son played Oliver Warbucks when he was in the fifth grade. Nice. So I've kind of, so I've kind of like lived my dreams through his production. <laughs> nice. I, I, I also played to... Oliver, so I, I totally get where he's coming from. Yes, and he would have corrected me right now if he was here. His character was T. Oliver Warbucks. <laughs> um, so before we, just before we get to the show, how did your two parallel lines meet? How did the two of you get together? That's a good story. Um, yeah, I, I'll start and then Brianna just jump in. Um, being uh, both alums from CCM, um, which is the College Conservatory of Music at the University of Cincinnati. Um, in New York, there's a very strong network of um, alums getting to know other alums. And just, I've always tried to um, support in in going to see people's shows and cabarets and their, their showcases. Um, it's important to show that support. Um, I, I'm older than Brianna um, and sort of like welcome them into the city. And once I met Brianna, I was like, oh, she's so freaking good. And I didn't even know 
she was a songwriter. Um, and then uh, she asked me to be in her Let There Be Light musical that you wrote. And I unfortunately had to back away from it because I got cast in a production of, um, I think it was Mama Mia. And so I had to go, I went and did that instead. Um, but then I was then asked again by Brianna to uh, sing one of her songs that she wrote in a concert of her own music. And so I learned this song, not knowing any of her other music. And so I sat there and watched the whole show and then got up and sang my song. And I was just blown away by the wisdom and the high level of songwriting that she was producing. Um, and I just always thought she was so, so talented. And um, there was a performance in um, New York of right after the pandemic. Um, and it was like a celebration of CCM. Um, and I was kind of like already had written my play and I was sort of looking for someone to work with. And Brianna sang, uh, closed the show that night with a song that she wrote. And it completely brought the house down. And this voice inside of me was like, just ask her, just ask her if she would be interested. And so I asked her to breakfast and I was like, I don't know if you even write for other people, but would you be interested? And the and cool thing, said, yes. yeah, I, I the cool thing is I really hadn't written for other people until that last year. I had just done my first commissioning project, um, and when Jess sat down with me and handed me her script, and I will brag on Jessica, she's kind of like a big deal in the CCM community. So <laughs> I was really excited. To <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she handed me her script and she said, uh, if you're inspired, uh, give me a call, basically. And I remember I sat down with a glass of wine and lit a candle, read her script and was totally blown away by the story. And I, I have said it many times, you could just hear the music in her story, like it sang. Um, so I was like, I gotta be a part of this. And the rest is history. Here's one more example of so many stories I hear is, I'll just ask, I'll just ask, can you do this? Would you be interested in doing this? Because yeah. so many people are afraid. And every time I hear this story, when I do an interview is, I didn't know if I should, but I did it. And it always, you know, even if it didn't work out, you still got to know each other, but it did work out. And that's fantastic. That's great. It was, it, it really was. And like for both of us, like we were treading new waters in building the show every step of the way. And um, even though I've been in this business longer than Brianna has, I still, this was brand new. We were bushwhacking our way through this. And so it was really scary for both of us, but we were both learning together and we both had times when we were feeling insecure about whatever it was. And then the other person would be like, no, we can do this. And it just worked out. But it, it, you know, building a show is really hard, but I'm really grateful that that Brianna said yes and that we were able to do this together. Well, let's jump right in. Walking with Bubbles. Tell us uh, the synopsis of the show and, you know, the the, the reason, the impetus for, for writing it. Uh, okay. Um, it's an autobiography 
biographical um, show about uh, a couple decades spanned in in my own life and my own journey. Um, Bubbles is the uh, pet name that I for my son Beckett. He's always been Bubbles since we were since he was a newborn. I don't know why, just happened. Um, but uh, it's about this. It's about the story of our life and how we have um, had to deal with a very um, complicated and um, sometimes dangerous and very, very difficult situation of my ex-husband and Beckett Bubbles dad, who has untreated mental illness. So the um, story starts with us um, in a park on a play date, Beckett and I at a play date, and a homeless man approaches us and I give him a sandwich and the audience realizes within the first five minutes that that homeless man is Beckett's dad. And that's where the story unfolds from there. And Brianna, how, when you got brought into the story, how, how, how did that, you know, how did you resonate with that? How did it affect you? Massively. I mean, one of my huge just personal values as a person and then subsequently as an artist is being authentic with our with ourselves and our stories um, and building empathy and compassion with other people by just mm -hmm. being real um, with with hardship and struggles. So when I read Jessica's story and the way that she lays it out, it was so inspiring to um, want to step into someone's pain and someone's and not just pain but resilience determination overcoming um and, and be part, yeah and be part of creating a show that is not only just about jessica's story but near the end actually like opens up um a door for other people to feel comfortable sharing their stories which really was like the hook for me personally and i actually wrote the finale of the, the show first because that's what was so inspiring to me, this sort of call to almost like a call to action. Absolutely. Towards the end of just allowing audience members to feel like they can be a part of um, being open as well, that they're not alone, that we all have these sort of secret things that we kind of keep in the dark and that those things can actually be brought into the light and be very healing um, for each other if we're, if we're open with them. And just to like expand on what Brianna said, um, that was kind of my mission statement from the get-go for me. Um, for many years, I was carrying this secret that I, it felt so overwhelming because it was so big and so painful that I couldn't share my life with like, even some of my closest friends um, because it was just so much to explain and it was like just so big. And after a while, I realized like I am not living my authentic self. I am putting on an act for the entire world. And I am just putting on this like I am this put together, cool, single mom. But in reality, I am dealing with a lot of heavy stuff. And I and I thought that that is similar to many people on this planet maybe not the exact same situation but if we could just 
not feel so overwhelmed and so burdened by what we think is too much for someone else to handle that if we were just like, this is, this is what I'm dealing with, but I'm still okay. But this is what I'm dealing with. Then we would have this, this opening toward, uh, like Brianna said, this empathy toward each other. And I think like overall, there would be a lot more kindness and a lot more like compassion for, because you never know what someone else is going through. You know, yeah. you just in fact, we had so many people come up to us after the show. So many audience members come up to Jessica and say, me too. Or I have someone in my family. Oh my gosh, I never thought I'd see my story on stage like this. Oh, I mean, people just crying like, it was, it was truly, truly amazing. Not only that, but we, we received letters and, um, and, and, and let's be clear. I, I am a, um, human in the show. Like I make mistakes. I am I, not giving a Ted talk of like, this is how you overcome everything. I'm show, showing all of the parts of this story and still trying to get through to the light. And at the end, I think I'm through, but we're, you know, life goes on, you know, you just never know. How did you decide when you're, when you decided I'm going to write this show, were you just going to throw everything into it or were you going to, did you want to reserve some stuff that you didn't want or how did you decide what went in, what didn't? That's a great question because um, I started, I wrote a memoir that is unpublished. Um, I, I'm not a movie star, so I quickly learned that unless you are, it's really, nobody cares about your memoir. Um, so, but that's okay. I'm still going to try to get it published. But when I thought I would do this, I um, realized that I had 273 pages of material. And so I looked at the, I looked at it and I was like, huh, is there a theatrical arc? I can't tell everything because A, it would feel unbelievable and B, it would be too much. Where is the theatricality of this story? Like, how do I make this entertaining and yet impactful? You know, is it worthy of the stage? Because not everything is worthy of the stage. Just because it's written, it doesn't mean it's worthy of the stage. So how do I find that arc? So I took some key moments of my, of, of incidents, we'll call them, of like what happened. And I strung them together to make an arc that spanned over the life that I wanted to tell about my, the part of my life that I wanted to talk about. And, um, just, I believe just like when you're taught, I wanted to tell the story as if you're talking to a good friend, when you tell them like the most horrible thing that happened, there's also like, oh, and then a bird shot on my shoulder. And like, that's funny. Like there has to be some levity in this really heavy situation and not to be commenting and making flip statements about it, but life happens. Um, and so that was my challenge. And then bringing the script to Brianna, um, she took parts that she felt 
could be musicalized. So that also brought some levity to the piece as well, as well as sometimes brought some um, moments got a little deeper because of her musicality and her lyrics. So um, I, did I answer the question? It, it, was a, it was a challenge to find the way in, but once we found the way in, we realized, okay, I, I do think this is worthy of the stage. So, so Brianna, when you saw the script, the complete script, you started writing songs. Was, was there some songs that just flowed out? It was just so easy. It came to you in that moment. And then was was there a song or two that just went, what do I do with this? Where do I go? <laughs> yeah, it's so, songwriting is so mysterious in that way. Like, it's so weird how some songs do just kind of write themselves and some songs feel yes like you need three four or five drafts until you find the thing um luckily jessica was really generous and kind of letting me kind of pitch to her where i felt the song should be so as for the actual theme and content i never had the question of like oh what do i do with this because the things i chose i was like this needs to be a song um yeah, I said to her i want a song here i wanted her to like be inspired a hundred percent with that. I just yeah. gave her a range. I'm like, I want it to be one act only. So we have to fall within like maximum seven songs, really. Yeah. I'd say the finale flowed out of me because I think it it's so intertwined with my own personal mission statement. I mean, I sent Jessica a voice memo that I made on the subway yeah that this lyric just this lyric and this melt of the chorus it and it's about 80 percent still correct um and i sang it and i was like i think this is for you like it had come to me not even not even necessarily connected with like oh i'm gonna write the walking with bubbles song right now but i was like oh i, I think this is for jessica and i sent it to her and um that one we kind of ran Hi. with <laughs> Um, and then the song that I think you said you heard, um, What If, Just Jessica again, is probably my favorite song I've ever written, like ever, because it was so hard. And when we finally got it, it was like, yes, but I sent Jessica probably four or five different versions of that. Um, we just were really like trying to figure out like, what is the meat of this song? Jessica really wanted something that soared. Um, we really struggled to find, we wanted to find the joy in that moment of the story. Um, and so that one was probably the toughest to finish. But Every now, time she like, sent me something, I was like, it's 90%, it's 92%. I was like, it's, it's there, but it's not there. And then once we found it, we were like, that's it. We found, I mean, it was really cool. I'm so glad. Yeah, I'm so glad that we didn't stick with the, the first four versions, that this is the version. Yeah. So let's go through the production history. When when did you start writing it? When did you start working on it? And and where has it gone since then? I know we talked that there's a there was a production in 2023, but between the beginning and there, what happened? Uh, between, like, when I first started writing? Yeah. So I started, like, I, I started writing, um, and I was invited, well, I submitted to do a production um, 
during the pandemic at the Irondale Theater in Brooklyn, which is a wonderful space there in an old church. And they do an on women festival every year. And this, this particular year was um, obviously online. Um, so I went there and I chose, um, I had two songs that were public domain and one song is still in the show actually. Um, it, and it's a, a spiritual church song. There's a scene in Walking with Bubbles that where I'm in church uh, and we kept that a snippet of that song for the show. Um, so I, I, it was fully a play with just two musical moments. I, I would, it couldn't, it wasn't a music that musical then it's always been a one person show. Um, and I just, uh, always thought like it was important for me to tell my story from my perspective. Um, because I, didn't want to assume um, the thought processes of the other characters because it is very delicate material. And um, I wanted to, like, for example, um, next to normal is, uh, is, is I would say in the, in the same, um, you know, wheelhouse as walking with bubbles, it deals with mental illness and it's a, an amazing, it's like one of my favorite shows, but it, it tells all of the characters thought processes. Right. Um, but I really wanted to just talk about the person who is quote, I'm doing air quotes here for all the listeners, healthy in this kind of situation and how it is so complicated. The one thing I loved about next to normal was the father character he was just, he didn't know what to do. And, and that was me, you know? And so I wanted to break open that person and, and, and let everyone else that go, cause there's a lot of um, movies and books and, and musicals about the person who was air quote ill, um, whether they're being uh, treated or not. Um, so that was important to me to keep it a one person show. And um, I just kept working on it and it was way too long and too wordy and just like, then I found Brianna. I didn't find her. I sought her out. <laughs> and we did a industry reading in yes. uh, 2020. Yeah, sorry, yeah. We went to Cincinnati and we did a work, musical workshop in Cincinnati for a week at, at CCM with our director, Richard Hess, um, in preparation for a um, reading that we self-produced in New York City. And um, from that reading, we um, had our lead producers attend, um, Tom and Michael Dangora, who were, and they will say this, so I'm not they were blown away. They contacted us and um, we went to dinner with them and they made it very clear the second we sat down to dinner that their dance card was full. They cannot produce this show. And Brianna and I were, Brianna and I were like, that's fine. If you wrote us a check right now, we wouldn't even know what to do. Uh, we would love to just use this um, dinner as to like, just mine you for information. Like, what do we do next? How do we get to that next level? And by the end of a very long dinner, um, 
they were like, we're going to produce it. We're producing it. <laughs> Which we were not expecting. Like I said, we don't, Brianna and I, we didn't know how any of this worked. So, I, I mean, now if a producer was going to take me out to dinner, I would be like, okay, we're going to make this happen, you know? But then I was just like, okay, let's go, like, let's go talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much, sometimes it's great not knowing because you don't know the mistakes that you shouldn't make. You, not, you don't know the right. things you should do. Right. It's just pure and raw. And I think that's real. And that's, I think as a producer, you go in, they're real. So that's, that's fantastic that it did. So obviously the production happened. How did that go? That, that the first production, I believe it was in April this year. Yeah. Um, well, just backing up a, a second, they produced a reading. They wanted to get more people to the reading. And so we did another reading that they produced. Um, and Brianna and I thought, okay, well, maybe someday we'll have a production. So that was in October. And then this past January, uh, Brianna was away doing a show in Florida and I went to dinner again with Tom and Michael and I fully expected them to say, we're gonna just table walking with bubbles. We need to do another reading. We need to get more. And they said, you're gonna open in the spring. This show is lightning in the bottle. We're opening in the spring. And I was like, Okay, let's go. <laughs> so um, we started rehearsals, was it February? Yeah. We started rehearsals in February. Um, Off-Broadway, it's always all hands on deck off-Broadway. So it's like duct tape and a dream. And um, we're <laughs> at the we were at the beautiful, newly renovated AMT Theater on 45th Street, which... Um, felt very luxurious for an off-Broadway house. It, they did a really good job with the renovations. And um, it was really special. We, we, you know, I feel very lucky of, of everything that happened. Yeah. I mean, so, so there are just so many people trying to do this. Like you don't even realize it. I mean, it's like, it's like anything. It's like acting when you're auditioning, there's a thousand of you. When you're trying to release music, there's a thousand things to listen to. There are a thousand shows that exist with a thousand wonderful people that are working hard for their thing. So to have the chance to do it in New York City, like, and not even in some like far off the beaten path, weird. Yeah, like lake, way out like, Long Island. Island. Yeah. Like this was like 45th Street in Hell's Kitchen. Uh, you know, you're like passing Moulin Rouge while you get to your stage yeah. door. I mean, it's like a dream to be able to do it. And for that long, we extended. Um, yeah, we, we extended. extended. We were nominated for awards. I mean, it was like, what is happening? This is like beyond what we dreamed. Yeah. So what was that like? So that usually I ask the, the creators, what was it like to see your stuff on stage? Now, Jessica, you were on the stage. So I guess, Brianna, you were the one sitting in, in the audience watching what you had created. Um, so I'd like to hear your reaction of, of the audience and seeing it. And then maybe, Jessica, from the stage side out and, and feeling, you know, what you feel from the audience. So, Brianna, let's hear from you first. Yeah. Well, in the all hands on deck, uh, duct tape and a dream, I actually played the show. So I also was uh, <laughs> in the car 
which was a new thing for me. Uh, so yeah, we both actually were kind of like removed from the audience appearance, but I made a point to call out to get a, get a sub to come in for me out during the last couple of weeks. And I went and sat in the theater and watched the show and was just like, uh, tears the whole time. It was just so cool to see how it all came together. Um, and even like doing it that late in the run, I don't know, it just, it was special in a different way because we had just been so intertwined with it. So then to be able to step out and go, oh my gosh, and hear the people next to you reacting and breathing and holding their breath and laughing like that, that is really cool. Really yeah. cool. And Jessica, yeah. I, 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 I've been on the stage, so it's it's a weird feeling to to feel from the audience. But this is your own stuff. What did you feel coming back at you? Oh, okay. So um, Brianna and our director, our brilliant director Richard Hess, really uh, gave me this reminder a lot because um, I needed it. I wasn't listening to their thoughts, but. Um, I was feeling, uh, because this is my story, once we we opened, I suddenly was feeling very exposed and very vulnerable. It's one thing to go from like a reading, like it's not happening to an off-Broadway production where anyone in the world could come. I was feeling very like, oh my God, what have I done? And I, not in a regret, but I was like, is this good? Should we be doing this? Like. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not getting the reaction that I, I thought I would get. And Richard and Brianna kept saying, it's because people are on the edge of their seat and they're listening and they are enthralled. And so once I like received that for real, I was able to just lean into the story and just tell the story because that is uh, the most important thing is to tell the story and not to perform the story, but to tell the story. And um, then to know that like my parents ca came a few times and the first night of previews, I go out on stage and my son Beckett is sitting in the front row. So I was like, okay, we're doing this. He's in the front row. And um, after the show, he came back to the dressing room and he said, Mama, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I have no notes. I have no notes. It was perfect. So to me, that was the biggest award I could get. <laughs> awesome. Uh, so you, you had a great run and then you created a an album, a cast recording of that. What, what was that experience like? Well, also, like Brianna said, that doesn't happen. Like, it doesn't happen. There are there are award-winning off-Broadway shows that are still trying to get an album made. There are Broadway shows that are still mm -hmm. trying to get an album made. Um, I'll let Brianna talk, too. I don't want to, like, like, hog, but I will say that um, our team, creatively, and our producers... We have created a team that believe in that believes in this story and believes that it is important to, to for the world to hear this story and believes in our talent. And 
they are nonstop. Like they will do what it takes to get it out there. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, totally. I'd say, yeah, it was a total team effort. Um, our music supervisor is Jacob Yates, um, who's worked on a lot of things um, on Broadway and off Broadway in the city and mm -hmm. just did a great job kind of shepherding us through um, that process. And for me, I mean, I'm, I'm self-taught musician. Um, so I can sometimes have total imposter syndrome when it comes to making things like official in air quotes. Um, but I've learned to just be confident in, um, I don't know, I guess just like everyone's learning all the time and no one has it all together. And I think what this process on the album and in this, the creation of the piece is like collaboration just makes you stronger. Like I think everyone, everyone has their strengths and has their weaknesses. And I think it's okay that like, not everybody's good at everything. And like you have all those other other pieces to kind of fit and make this beautiful thing. So that's really what the album um, felt like to me. We had Alex Crosby uh, playing the piano, an amazing guitarist, Nick Pataki, um, who both did excellent jobs um, creating everything. We had a whole team of uh, different recording engineers between Mona Lisa yeah. Studios and Nick Pataki and Jacob Yates. Ashton, Michael, Corey, all these people that just um, helped make it happen. And two of our lead producers were the ones that wanted to do this in the first place. They, we were floor, like, they were like, we really believe in this story and this music and we think this music should be recorded. And that was um, Scott Coulter, who's one of our, our producers and a longtime friend of Jessica's and Vivica Della Della Pola who both, um, yeah, just championed us in championed getting us. it done. And we did it. And haven't stopped, you know? I, like, Brianna and I are like, okay, I guess it's over. And they're like, they're not stopping. So we're... That, that was gonna be my next question. What, where does it go from here? What, is there anything you can talk about? I'm all, I always have to preface that because sometimes people can't. Is it, where, where do you see it going from here? Uh, well, sky's the limit. Let's be honest. Um, there, our producers are continuing to talk of next steps. Um, they fully believe in a uh, more realized production. Um, I, I believe that ultimately Brianna and I want to license the show so that there can be a lot of women playing Jessica and all over the world. That would be a dream come true for us. Um, but we are realistic in that if we license the show now, we don't have, uh, the platform and we don't have the eyes on the show that people that we need for, for people to want to do the show. Um, we have big plans. Our producers have big plans. Um, there's nothing set yet. And this is a very crowded season on the great white way so there are we are in the planning stages of a lot of different things but we are not finished congratulations on the show and writing it and and what you've done with it and you know i wish i'd been able to you guys closed in september i didn't get into new york till october and i didn't learn about michael i didn't meet him until october so unfortunately i didn't get to see the show but i did get to listen to music 
So congratulations on Thank that. You. That sounds fantastic. You will get your opportunity. I can promise you that. Awesome. And I, I will be there wherever it is. Well, not wherever it is, but if it's close enough, bye. I will I will try and get to it and, and see it. So um, is there anything in the pipeline for the two of you? Is there anything you want to promote that you've got going on? Uh, Brianna, let's, let's ask you first. Anything you want to let people know about? Sure. I have my bags packed behind me. I am getting on a plane today to go play my dream role of Carol King in beautiful The Carol King musical down at Mulch Jupiter Theater. Uh, so it's very surreal being a songwriter offstage in real life and then getting to play one of the greatest uh, on stage is truly a dream come true. So I'm about to go do that. Um, yeah. That's that's what's on the pipeline for me. So where is that if people want to go see you? Yeah, it's in Jupiter, Florida at the Maltz Jupiter Theater from January 8th through 28th. And, and Jessica and she's yourself. going to be brilliant in it. <laughs> like I can tell you right now, if you're anywhere near, you need to go see her play this role. <laughs> for sure. And do you have anything in the pipeline? Um, well, um, my I am knee deep in college applications for my son. Uh, my son Beckett is applying to college right now. And you know, there are no mistakes. Um, our show closed in, off Broadway and I went right into college application season uh, with Beckett. And I feel really grateful that I've been able to be 100% present for him. As a single mom, it's important for me to make sure that he has the best chance in everything. So um, I've been doing that. This is my like symphony season. So I have been traveling and will be traveling a lot in the next few months, going to all different cities around the country, um, singing with the orchestras there, which is amazing. I love doing that. Um, and other than that, I cannot talk specifics, but we are we are every day, every day making next steps in the Walking with Bubbles journey. And I have a feeling sooner rather than later, we'll be having some really, really exciting things to announce. That's fantastic. I'm I'm so used to people saying that I can't say right now. But that's that's exciting because that means you have something in the pipeline and something could be coming. So you'll yeah. have to keep us informed because we'll let everybody else know what's going on with it, the two of you yeah. and the show. So And can I just say one other thing? Of course. Um, it's just really important for me to express and I, and I feel like Brianna will agree with me. Um, I never set out to write a musical or write anything. I just wanted to sing an act. And I just wanted to say to anyone that is listening that it is not too late to do anything in your life and to follow your dreams and to follow that voice inside of you because where it will take you will be bigger and better than you ever could have dreamed. How do people get to know more about you? Where can they learn about you, the social media and websites, et cetera, so they can learn more of this prophetic words of uh, wisdom? I mean, I'm on Instagram at Jess Hendy. Uh, my website is jessicahendy.com. I'm on Facebook. Um, please follow Walking with Bubbles official on Instagram and on threads and on 
Facebook. Yeah, and go check out our album, which is available anywhere you listen to music, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, all that stuff. We would love to uh, have some new listeners. And uh, sheet music is going to be available very soon for a couple of the songs. So if you want to sing them, uh, yeah, that, that'll and be coming And you can buy out hard copies of the CD at the Walking With Bubbles website. And the hard copies include beautiful artwork and liner notes. So it's a good memento to have as well. I could go on for days about people should be buying the hard copies of stuff. <laughs> the CDs are so much nicer than MP3s, but that's a whole nother hour of talking. Um, Brianna, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on and introducing the listeners and myself to the show. And I, I look forward to seeing where it goes and one day seeing it on stage somewhere. So thank you. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me today. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. We were just speaking with Jessica Andy and Brianna Kothari Barnes about their show, Walking with Bubbles. Tune in next week as we'll speak with another guest or guests about their life, love, and passion. That is musical theater. I am your host, as always, Jean-Paul Yovanoff. And until next time, I'll see you when I see you.